Welcome, everybody, to the third week here in our Hashtag Refriending series. 
If you're just kind of tuning in today for the first time, let me get you caught up to speed real quick. Entire purpose of this series is to talk about relationships and friendships and talk about, as we write there up in the screen, real friendships in a virtual world. And one of the things that I said in week one, kind of our key thought for the series, is you show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Each one of us has a certain amount of energy, certain amount of, of relational capacity in life, and you show me how you're investing that into whom and show me who's investing their relational energy into you and I'll show you your future. The Bible said it, King Solomon said it this way in Proverbs 13, he said, you walk with the wise and you become wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Said another way, you hang out with people who are full of faith and on fire for God, then I'll bet you your likelihood of being full of faith increases significantly. You hang out with people around the water cooler and all they do is complain about the boss, I bet you you complain about the boss all the time too. You hang out with people who value family and raising their kids, and I bet you when you have a family or if you do have them right now, you're going to value those same things because you show me who your friends are, and I will show you who it is that you will become. So one of the things that we agreed upon here in this series is that we are going to be intentional about our friendships and about our relationships because we do not want ourselves to find ourselves down the road becoming a person that we didn't want to become. So how are we going to do that? We're going to be intentional. Last week, for those who are here, we talked about specifically about friendships in a one-on-one -on -one context. And I talked about three kinds of friends that everyone needs. We used the life of David, and we said how David had a Samuel, someone who makes him better, David had a Jonathan, someone who made him stronger. David had a Nathan, someone who spoke the truth to him. And if you are lacking any of these three, then you are, might not be as rich as you think you are. Because we agree that there is material riches, but there's also relational riches. And just this past week, there was something called the National Prayer Breakfast in town. And I, was, I wasn't there, but I was reading, like someone tweeted a quote that one person said, at that National Prayer Breakfast. And I loved it so much, so I put it right here. It's right on our topic. This guy named Dr. Richard Foth. He said, there are two main things that is on everybody's mind throughout life, money and relationships. One of those will make you rich. The world has pushed us into sacrificing one for the other. We are richer materially than we've ever been, but we are poorer relationally than we've ever been. And what we are taught and what we are told by the world around us is, don't worry, get these riches while you can, and then worry about this later. But unfortunately for many of us, that later never comes. And you, in the end, end up getting all the monopoly money that you can, but you throw away, you sacrifice the sake of the real money. And we are not going to take that anymore, right? We're not going to take it. That's what we all agreed. After week one, we talked about the lost art of friendship. We're not taking it anymore. We don't want to live superficial lives. We reject that superficiality. We don't want to, to just be acquaintances and just have 4,000 Facebook friends. But then when I need somebody to talk to, I don't have a soul that I can speak to. We don't want to just be the person who tweets about a happy life. We want to have a happy life. We don't want to just show people on Facebook that we have a happy life. We actually want to have it, even if that means that we don't get to show the whole wide world about it. We are not going to take it anymore. Last week, we talked about how a friendship might be the solution to your problem. Just one friendship, just like Paul with Barnabas, that one friendship changed him forever. Well, today we're going to talk about one community that may solve your problem as well. Last week we talked about the one-on-one. -on -one. Today we're going to talk about a little bit larger circle, which is this word called community. Now, as soon as I say community, 
If you've ever attended church for a significant period of time, you've heard that church say how community is very important to them. And you've heard that church talk about their fellowship activities. Because every church uses the word community and fellowships, and everyone means something completely different. And, and some mean fellowship means that we uh, eat hot dogs together. That's it, look, come for a night of fellowship. 10,000 people in a room, and we all eating free pizza. That's fellowship. And some people mean fellowship. No, two or three people sharing their deepest and darkest secrets. And that's fellowship, and that's community. We need to define what these terms mean so we're all on the same page. And before I get into, like, the Bible definition, I want to speak personal experience. Because believe me, this message that I'm sharing, that's why I keep saying it's an important message. I am living proof. I have experienced both sides of the coin of what life is like without a community and the benefits of having a true community. And the reason why I say this, I didn't, now I feel like I told y'all last week, God has blessed me. I have the best friends in the whole wide world, and I am not as good a friend as the friends that I have. Okay? Uh, my family, my friends, those people around me, better than like I could ever ask for. But there was a time when I didn't really have a community around me. And when I was first ordained as a priest several years ago, someone told me something, and this one statement affected me. He told me, never be friends with regular people. That's what I was told. Never be friends with regular people, meaning non-priests. Like be friends with priests, but never be friends with regular, normal people. Because as priests, there's this like, I don't know, like this like aura or this mystique of man of God. So basically, don't ruin it by showing people that you're just a normal person. Keep, the, keep a little bit of distance. Keep people kind of guessing. Keep people kind of arm's length. And make sure that you don't get too close to normal people. And I did it. For the first probably six, seven years of my priesthood, I wasn't friends with normal people. I worked, I served, I did church, and I had like arm's length friendship, and nobody was able to get too close. And we kept it that way because we thought that was the right way, and we worked, and we worked, and we said this is a sacrifice for God, and we're happy to do it, you know, anything for God, and we bust ourselves, and we never allowed normal people to get too close. And then I came to a realization. I like normal people. I like normal people. And then I came to even a greater realization. But don't tell this to anybody. I actually think I'm a normal person as well. I like normal people. And I think I'm a normal person. That yes, I wear like this and I dress like this and I do like this. But underneath all that stuff is a normal person. And yes, I love to serve God and I'm happy to do whatever God wants me to do. But I like to hang out like everybody else. I like to play bowl. I like to go bowling. I'm up for a game of Monopoly every now and then. I like to go around uh, sometimes uh, Old Town and walk around and do the stuff. I like to do anything except pretty much go out to eat for dinner. Okay, but that's for financial purposes more than anything else. Okay, but any kind of fun, regular people activity, I discovered that I enjoy doing these things because I found that even though I'm a priest, I've been a priest for 12 years, something like that. But before I was a priest, I was actually a normal person. And this is what God said about normal people when it comes to relationships. The very beginning of the Bible, Adam was a normal person. God said this, it is not good that man should be alone. And I remember, I'm reading this verse, and I'm like, hey, wait a minute. 
Yes, I'm a priest, but underneath the priest is a man. And I've been a priest for 12 years, but I've been a man a lot more years than that. And in the same way that it is not good for man to be alone, it is not good for me to be alone. Just the same way it's not good for you to be alone. We all need, just like Adam, we all need a community of like-minded people. People that we can just kick back with. People that we can play hard and pray hard with. People that we can serve with. People that we can help raise each other's children. People that we can give each other rides to the airport. People that we can just hang out with when we're bored and our spouse is out of town or when we're single and we're lonely, we just need somebody to hang out with. We all need that community. Adam needed it. I needed it. Need it. And I don't think there's anybody in this world that doesn't have that void inside them which yearns to be part of a community of like-minded people going through life together. I have that now. I have that not by accident, but I have that because I realized that I need it, and I've been intentional about making sure that I make time for those relationships that are important in my life. And because of that, I feel like I have that, and I'm telling you from personal experience, it's night and day. Night and day, and I believe in my emotional health, my spiritual health, and my physical health as well, and so many different things between having a community and not having that community. Because as beautiful as a personal relationship with God is, it is beautiful and it is the most important thing in the world. And we focus on that and we emphasize that everyone must have a personal relationship with God. But it is not complete in and of itself. Because what you need to add on top of a personal relationship with God is a shared relationship with God. Because that, if the personal is beautiful, the shared is more beautiful. If the personal is satisfying, the shared is more satisfying. If the personal fits, fills that empty spot, the shared really completes the entire emptiness that's inside all of us. At the beginning of this series, in the first week, I told y'all, I gave y'all a piece of paper with a blank space. And I said, list for me your friends. And I said, I wanted you to write it down. And there was four or five blanks right there. And my guess is the vast majority of people got one or two names, maybe three, and didn't get much past that. And if that's where you are at right now in your life, you have a couple friends, and you're kind of close with them, and you kind of, like what we talked about last week, you have some of those one-on-ones, but you don't really have beyond that. You don't really have that community of friends that I'm telling you, you are not where God wants you to be, and there's something greater out there for you. Not saying it in a way to condemn or feel guilty, but saying it in a way that there's something sweeter out there which is available to each one of us when we get to that spot that God wants us to be in community. Look how the early church was. Acts chapter 2. And, and we'll look at the words of this, but I want you to gather not just the words, but the spirit of it. Okay, forget about the, like, the details. Give me the spirit of this passage, Acts 2, 44 to 47. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods, and divided among all, as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Don't tell me. Be honest with yourself. Don't tell me that this verse doesn't hit a spot inside you that yearns for that, that looks at that and says, man, that'd be great. If really that's the way it was, that everyone was together and everyone shared and somebody had a need and everyone jumped on top of that person to help them out. And anytime anyone was in need of anything, we were all there for that person. And the end result of that, look, like look at the words. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. They were simple people. They were happy people. And God added to the church daily many people who were being saved. Why? 
Why, why that last verse? That last verse is about evangelism. The first five verses are all about like their spiritual life and their communal life. What does evangelism have to do with the communal life? Why? Simple. Because if you got a place where people are experiencing community and you're living that community and you're benefiting from that community and you got, like I said, people that you can pray with, people that you can play with, people that you can do life with, the whole wide world, that's exactly what they're looking for. And you'd have to beat people away with sticks to keep them away from the church that offers this kind of community. And that's what the early church saw in the very beginning. The relationship is clear. Reason? We were made as, as when they asked Jesus, what's the most important commandment? He said, look, let me tell you the most important commandment. You need to have a relationship with God. You need to have a relationship with one another. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. We were made for relationship. We were not made to be independent silos. We were made to be part of a community. Not just the Bible. Let me tell you what independent researchers say. Non-Christian people say this. Belonging to a group or a community gives us a sense of identity. It helps us understand who we are and feel part of something larger than ourselves. Researchers also find that people with strong social connections, ready, watch this, strong social connections, have less stress-related health problems. I agree wholeheartedly with that. They have less stress-related health problems, lower risk of mental illness, and faster recovery from trauma or illness. Why? Because we were made to be in community. We weren't made to be independent. We were made to be interdependent, depending on God and depending on one another. And you'll never realize this until you experience what I'm talking about like I have, then all this talk is just kind of like, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. I have friends. I'm fine. But then when you experience what I'm talking about, you will see that it really is a night and day difference in your life, and we have to strive to get to that point. But before we get there, we need to know what there is. Like I said, you go to 10 different churches, you ask what's community, you get 10 different answers. Some will tell you it's social. Some will tell you it's Bible study. Some will tell you it's just sitting in church together. Some will tell you it's sharing your deepest and darkest secrets. We need to define and come up with a working definition of what is community. Let me ask you a true or false question. Church is community. True or false? I say false. And a lot of you are, <clears throat> wait a minute. Father Anthony, hold up. You're always talking about how we're church and community, community, community. I don't believe the church is community. I don't believe this is community. This is too big to be community. Community is not what church is. It's something that church can help you to find. And church needs to be the spark to help you find community. Doesn't need to be, but should be the spark to help you. But you cannot say, just because I attend a church, you, know, you attend every single week, that you have community. Community is somewhere between one-on-one -on -one and church. Like it's somewhere in the middle there. It's not one-on-one. -on -one. It's not like me and, a, and my best friend. That's not community. But it's also not me with 200 of my closest friends. It's somewhere in between there. It's a group. Here's going to be our definition. It is a group of like-minded individuals doing life together. And I intentionally gave a vague definition because I don't think it's a formula that you can provide. But there's two key purposes or two key components of the definition of community. Like-minded 
doing life. Like-minded means people that you have something in common with. The word community has the same root word as common. So community is not necessary is not this. Community is like let's say let's say it, community can look different. So let's say I'm married and I got kids. So most likely my community is going to be four or five other families with probably kids roughly in the same age. We're in the same stage of life, okay? And we get together and we, you know, drive each other's kids to practice or whatever it may be. And we leave each other's kids when we're, you know, going out of town and, and, our, and, and we go to movies together or we hang out. You know, it's people who have stuff in common with you. Four families, five families, six families, something like that. Let's say you're single. It's probably like about somewhere between five and 20, I'll say. Because somewhere between five and 20 group, okay, it's probably around that eight, nine, 10 number of people who are like-minded, people who have the same aspirations, same goals as you. You're retired. Most likely your community is going to be other people who are in a similar state of life as you. It doesn't have to be the same. Like if you look at the early church, the disciples, were they the same? No, they were not the same. Like Peter and John couldn't get more different. But they were like-minded because they had the same purpose. And it's going to be really hard for me to be strong community with someone who doesn't care about church. Like I care very passionately about church. I care very passionately about the lost people finding the gospel and the message of the gospel. So it's going to be hard to be community with me if you don't care about lost people. You don't care about the church. We don't have as much in common. That doesn't mean we don't love each other. That doesn't mean we don't care about each other. But it's unlikely that we're going to be strong community with one another because we're not like-minded. The Bible says it this way, 1 Corinthians 5.11. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or idolater or reviler or a drunkard or extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. This verse is not speaking, it's not in any way contradicting Christ's command to love our enemies and love the lost and be friend of sinner. But what it's talking about is I always talk about friendship, and we'll get more into this next week, as degrees. All right, we love everybody, but there's degrees of friendship. And what this verse is talking about, is talking about one of these, not your friends, but I talked about last week, that's kind of that inner circle. It's kind of talking about that middle circle, okay, before you get to the whole world around. And in that middle circle, middle circle, your community, it's saying you have to have like-minded people. Someone who values raising their kids, and it's very important to them, set a good example for their kids. And another person who wants to party like he's 20 years old again, like he's back in his fraternity days. It's unlikely these two families will be very close with one another because they're not like-minded people and they have different goals or aspirations in life. That's why, like I said, church is a good place to find community because the likelihood of finding like-minded people in this environment is higher because in theory we're here for a common purpose. But church is not community in and of itself. Like-minded. Second part was doing life. Like-minded, me and you being like-minded, doesn't make us community unless we do stuff together. Unless we help each other move when it's time to move. Unless we go karaoke night on Friday on Valentine's Day. Unless that we go to ball games together. Or we watch movies together. Or we exercise together. Or we do something together that's part of our regular life. Bible says it this way in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. The older I get, the more I realize my need for other people in my life. 
when you're young, you think you can do everything by yourself. And that's kind of the, that's me. I can do everything by myself. But in my elder years now, starting to realize, you know what life is? Life is a long journey. Life is a long climb. It's up a mountain. Life is a long climb up a mountain. And when you are alone, you can sprint. You don't got to wait for anybody. But long term, your likelihood of success, it's scary to climb a mountain by yourself, isn't it? It's scary to walk in the dark alley by yourself. Knowing that I got people around me when I'm walking through this scary place, it makes me feel good. That's why there's that ancient Chinese proverb. Walk fast equals walk alone. Walk far equals walk together. Walk fast equals walk alone. Walk far equals walk together. I want to walk far in life. And I want to make it to the end of this marathon. And if I'm going to do that, if you're going to do that, you're going to need community around you to walk with you. Because sometimes life is scary. And sometimes life gets dark. Now, what I want to focus on the rest of the time here. How to find community. You agree we need it. You agree we desire it. You agree there's a part of you which yearns for it. But let's be practical. How do I find it? Like if we all leave here together and say, we agree on the importance of community, that doesn't solve any of the problems. I'm still going back to my house by myself. And I'm still going to be sitting home tonight watching TV by myself, checking my Facebook a thousand times, hoping that someone likes something that I posted. How practically can I find community? I'm going to give you three things. And again, I'm speaking from personal experience. These three things aren't the end-all, be-all, but these are just three things. And these three things don't mean that if you do them today, that you will have great community tomorrow. It's not like that. It's not a formula. But if you, do, if you don't do these three things, it's going to be very difficult for you to find community. First thing that we do. We're going to open our doors. We're going to open our doors to find community. What do I mean by open your doors? If you watch... Old TV shows, old TV shows, you'll notice something very, very strange. You know what you notice? People knocking on people's doors. Very strange concept. We were kids, it was Three's Company. And every episode had a knock, and who was on the other side? It was Larry. Y'all know Larry? Come on. Y'all know Three's Company? All right, younger ones. Family matters. You hear a knock at the door and it is? It's Urkel. If you're a Cosby show, you hear the doorbell ring and you know it's Theo's friend? Cockroach, very good. All right, I'm going to go real old school right now, real old school. Laverne and Shirley, it was? Lenny and Squiggy, the oldest guy in the room. Very good. Thank you very much. <laughs> Lenny and Squiggy, that's old school. That's old school. Anyway. It's a strange concept for us. I want everyone to think to themselves, and this is a hard one. When was the last time I'm sitting there at home and somebody knocked on my door? Or somebody rang the doorbell, and it wasn't a salesman. It was somebody just stopping by. The answer, never. It doesn't happen. And I started to think to myself, when was the last time? I'd, like the only time I knock on my neighbor's door is when, is when Michael hits the ball over the fence. Okay, then I make him knock and ask for, can we go in and get the thing? We don't knock at people's doors anymore. 
We live in our own little house, and we live inside our little cave, and the concept that there could be people who would come inside here just kind of randomly is the most foreign concept in the world. And I believe, bear with me on this one, I'm going another old man rant on this one. Okay, bear with me, okay? Kind of like my telephone rant. I'm going to go on a rant against two pieces of modern technology, which may not be that modern, but which I believe have significantly changed the landscape of community and friendship in the world. Air conditioned and garages. When we were kids, our first house, we didn't have a garage. We had a carport. Y'all know what a carport is? Okay, carport is just basically like a covered thing. Okay, and you just parked under it. So what would happen when you pulled into the house, you got out the car, you walked around through the front yard, and you walked in your front door? And what would happen in that process? You might see somebody else doing the same thing, cleaning their, washing their car, mowing the lawn, uh, kids playing ball, and it was, hey, Fred, how are you? Hey, good. Jim, how are you? Hey, how's the wife and kids? Hey, you know how it is. There'd be some communication. There'd be some talking to one another. Now, what is it? We all do the same thing. We go, we pull in, we see that annoying neighbor that we don't want to talk to. So we pick up our phone, we're making a phone call. We open the garage, we go in, we close the garage, we make sure it is sealed before we exit the car. Because we don't want anybody to see us, anybody to talk to us. We live in a little cave. And I remember in our first house, that we, me, when we were married. Okay, when me and Marianne were married, we lived in this townhouse over in Fairfax. We lived there for probably seven, eight years. And after, clear, close to the end when we were there, we realized we'd been there seven years, and we didn't know any of our neighbors. And I remember vividly, I heard a sermon on love your neighbor. And I was like, love my neighbor? I don't even know my neighbor. I don't even know what their names are. Why? Because I have the garage. And I go in, close, and I go out. Second thing is air condition. Y'all know why air condition changed the world? This one I'm saying I don't fully remember, but I kind of sort of remember, but I don't fully remember. What did people used to do? Now what do we do? We're hot, we turn the air condition on. That's where we are whenever it's hot. Take a guess. What do you think people used to do when it was hot? In the evenings especially. Sit outside. You come home from work, it's 10,000 degrees. You open the windows, you open your door, you sit on the porch. You eat your dinner maybe on the deck. You spit seeds on the water, like whatever. You sit on the porch. And you once again, hey, Bill, come over here and have some of this watermelon with me. Hey, Fred, thanks so much. Like whatever. You had some communication with one another. But now, like now even the sad part, even our children don't play outside. Now, like it was, it was our children used to play with this thing called other children. Now they don't play with other children. Now they play video games. And maybe you hope they're playing a video game with another child. But now, usually, at least what is in my house, never since we've got these DS things, each one's in their own corner playing with their own thing. And each one's playing a game on the other side. And, and, and we've lost that sense of community. Look at this verse. Acts 2.46. We want community. You want community? There has to be this component if there's community. Continuing daily with one accord in the temple. Temple. Is the, is the modern church, or the pre, church is the modern temple. They met in the temple on a regular basis, on a weekly basis. That's church. But they also broke bread from house to house. And this breaking bread, you can call it in two ways, okay, because the scripture used in two ways. It talks about in a sacramental way, okay, as far as communion, but it also means in a simple having a meal together, sharing some watermelon slices on the porch on a hot summer night. 
Do you want community? There has to be a home to home, a door to door. Let me tell y'all something, y'all won't believe me. But I promise you, every word I'm saying is true. In that neighborhood, like I told you in the beginning, we were there seven years, we didn't know any of our neighbors. We decided that's not right, it's not pleasing to God. So we decided to throw a neighborhood party. And everybody kind of saw me, because I'm the funny dressed guy, all right? But I didn't know anybody, so I didn't know if anyone was going to come. But we said, we cannot, like we, we have to do our part. And my expectation was that only, sorry, like the weird people might come, but the normal people probably wouldn't come. And specifically, there was like a row of townhouses. We were like in the middle. The first one on the corner was some college students, all right? College boys and girls kind of students, okay? Everything kind of smorgasbord kind of a house of students, students who went to George Mason. And in our minds, we're like, should we even invite them? Like, there's no way they're going to want to come. But I always say, you know what? We made little flyers. We chose this Sunday. We prayed really, really hard. We bought a whole bunch of hot dogs and sausages and stuff like that. And said, you know what? We're going to make a whole ton of food. We invite everyone to come. We're just going to see what happens. These college students, with God as my witness, we had to kick them out at the end. Like I had to tell Marianne, don't bring any more food. These guys will not leave. What would some college kids, college kids who are doing whatever they're doing in life, have anything that they want to hang out with someone like me? Hang out in my house and, and, and with a guy dressed like this. Because each one of us has inside of us, like I said, that yearning. Now my new neighborhood, we just moved to a new house this summer. I made it a goal. Even though I am, just so you know, the most introverted person in this room by far. I don't want to talk to anybody, especially when I'm tired and long day, but I made it a point that anytime I see any of my neighbors in my immediate circle, boom, 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 or boom, I see any of them, I go out of my way, but and there's the old guy across the street, I even cross the street to say hello to him because he's always out there working, and I, he doesn't speak very good English, I don't understand a word he says, but I cross the street, okay, and I say hello to him, and I promise you, we live on a street, it's called Happy Heart Lane, okay, I know. But when we moved in, we discovered it was not the happiest heart lane place in the whole wide world. Okay, there's a lot of different stuff going on. And my immediate neighbors to the left, once again, are college students. Okay, and this is, is even worse than the first situation. There's all this kind of stuff going on. But anytime I see those guys hanging out on the deck, regardless of what activity they're doing on the deck, okay, <laughs> I stick my head over the fence and I strike up a conversation. And they love me, probably because they don't want me to get them in trouble, okay, but we're best friends and all that kind of stuff. And I promise you, it makes a difference. People are yearning for it. These college students, when they're doing that stuff, the last thing they're going to you think, they're going to see a priest. Last thing they want to do is talk to a priest. I promise you, anytime they see me, even people who don't live there, we just go hang out. They come see me, and they wave to me, and they say hi to me. We're out playing ball, and I invite. So people are yearning for that community. Here's my question to you. When was the last time someone just stopped by your house? Or you stop by someone else's house. Forget about when was the last time. Is that even a realistic possibility? Do you have somebody who you could say, I'm just not, I'm talking about, I'm not even talking about really, I'm talking about theoretically. The people that you know, you know what? I could just stop by this person's house. If I'm in the area, I could just stop by this person's house. Or this person could stop by mine. If the answer is yes, I say bravo to you. I say that's great. That's the first step towards community. If you're lacking that, I say, we need to open our homes. There should be other people out there who my home is their home. 
and their home is my home. And my fridge is their fridge, and their fridge is my fridge. And my TV is their TV, and their TV is my TV. And our homes belong to one another. Now, obviously within reason, okay, within reason. But the point is, is, do you have anyone like that in your life? We open our homes. Number two thing we do is we take off our socks. Is we take off our socks. Let me preface what I'm about to say by telling you that I hate feet, especially of the barefoot variety. I know, like, sandals and flip-flops, like, that's the in thing now. Raise your hand if you've ever seen me wear sandals or flip-flops. None of you raise your hands because I don't do it. Even if I go out on the beach, I got the flip-flop, like the Croc-style ones that at least keep the, tover, the toes covered. I don't like feet. I don't like it. I don't like it. And even when I did wear those Crocs, usually, unless beach, there was socks going on underneath there. Because that's the way it is. Don't like feet situation. But if I'm at home, and I'm just hanging out with my family, I'm not going to wake up in the morning and put socks on. Like, oh, you hang out barefoot. Not a big deal. And then what happens if people come over? You put on socks. Do you want to know how you can tell if you and I are community? Is if you ring the doorbell, and I don't put on socks. Now, with that said, 99.99% of the time, I'm going to put on socks. Okay, But you don't understand where I'm going with this. Is that there's certain people in your life that you feel like, you know what? I don't need to hide in front of them. That's community. I don't need to put on my socks. I can be barefoot. I can stay in my PJs. This person goes, I can be in my PJs. My wife can keep the curlers and the mud mask. Like, all that stuff's fine. You know what I mean? And I'm just joking. Just joking. She doesn't do that stuff. But she's up in the Sunday school home. Just take advantage. <laughs> the point is, is community means that I have spots that I'm kind of embarrassed about, that I kind of hide. But when we're community, I don't need to hide. I can take my socks off and show you the bare feet. You want to know why we struggle to find deep community? I spoke about this in week one. I'm going to speak about this every day for the rest of my life if I could. It's because we are afraid to take our socks off. We are afraid that if people see the real us, that if we are, vu- if we are vulnerable with people, if they see who our, 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 our weaknesses and the real stuff inside of us, the myth in our mind is they will do what? They will reject us. They will, we will be embarrassed and, and, and ridiculed by them. That they will think lower of us. Nothing could be further from the truth. You want to know how the early church was? early church in Acts chapter 4. This is community. The multitude of those who believed were one heart, one soul. Nothing hidden. Everything out there. Even the ugly bare feet. You want community? You're going to have to at some point. That's why I'm saying church is not community. Don't be fooled by say church is community. Church is not. Church provides you an opportunity to take a chance. And in that chance you say, hey, can I share something with you? Hey, I'm going to open up a part of me that I don't really like people to see, and I'm going to take a risk. And that risk, you could reject me, but you could accept me, and we could develop deep community and a deep bond with one another. Going to church is great. Joining a life group is a fantastic way to have community. But don't think that by showing up at the life group, and just going through the motions, and a lot of us have that mindset of, I just got to get through this life group without revealing any truth about myself. If that's your attitude, you're never going to have community. Join every life Join 10 life groups for all I care. You're never going to find community unless you take a chance and you open up 
and you let people see your bare feet. That's why one of the things, why this is so important to us here, y'all remember our core values here at STSA. Our core value number two is about authentic community. And we say this, that we believe that God created the church to fulfill our relational needs in addition to our spiritual needs. We reject superficiality in relationship with one another just as we reject superficiality in our relationship with God. Let me say it to you this way. You can't find depth without opening up and without sharing. And those people who have community around them, I bet you 99% of those people who would say they have good community around them have been able to open up and bear a piece of themselves within the context of that community. And those who always struggle to find community, even though they're surrounded by people, if you go and you ask them, how are you at taking your socks off? A lot of them would say they've never done it. Like I said, we think that if we're honest about our imperfections, people won't like us. I see this all the time when people come for confession. People say to me, I've been meaning to confess this for the longest time, but I'm so embarrassed. And I'm so scared you're going to think differently of me. And I'm so worried that you're going to hate me. Or I'm so worried you're going to think low of me. What's my answer to that person? What's my answer to that person? You come to me, say, I have this bad thing that I've done. You know what I want to say? What I'm dying to say? Believe me, before you told me, I didn't think you were perfect. You were the only one who thought you were perfect. I knew you had something, but I knew you were hiding it. And now when you come clean with it, yeah, you know what? I will look at you differently. I'm going to respect you 10 times more. And I'm going to love you 10 times more. And I'm going to care for you and protect you 10 times more. Because who as a parent do I love? I love all my kids. But who do I, like, you have a strong kid and you have a weak kid. When it comes time to that weak kid, I'm going to stand next to that weak kid even stronger. And you can, you can hit my strong kid. Okay, you touch my weak kid and watch out. You're going to have the wrath of the dad on you. When we reveal our imperfections, when we reveal our weaknesses, remember what I said in week one? I said we impress people with our strengths, but we, y'all remember? But we what? Connect with people through our weakness. Let me say that one again because that's some good preaching. We impress people with our strengths, but we connect with people through our weaknesses. And if I, st- let me ask you, I stand up here and say, my name is Father Anthony. I'm going to preach a sermon. I'm Mr. Perfect. I got my whole life together. I never do any sins. My life is perfect, 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 perfect. Is that what you're looking for? Or you want me to stand up here and say, you know what? I have the same struggles as you do. I'm struggling in the same way that you are. And I got weaknesses. And like I said, I'm a man just like you are. Some people want that priestly mystique thing. If that's what you want, you're not going to find it here. You're going to find a normal person here who's a normal person who just put on this nice little outfit, this little uniform, and is doing the best that he can, fighting the same fight you're fighting. If you're a guy, I'm fighting the same fight you're fighting. If you're a father, I'm fighting the same fight. If you're a mother or lady, I'm not necessarily the same fight, but you know what I'm trying to say. We impress with our strengths, but we connect through our weaknesses. 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. When we walk, what does it mean to walk in the light? It means no secrets. It means no socks. It means everything is open you will find that you will be able to connect with people at a much deeper level when you are able to walk in openness. And who knows? You might be in, that, in, in your group. Maybe your group was good at number one. Y'all open your homes to one another. Y'all hang out, but there's no depth. Who knows? You may be the one to open the floodgates. 
And who knows, you may be the one to kick your socks off, and next thing you know, socks are flying left and right all around the place. You might be the one to open them floodgates. Recap with me. What are the two things that we do? Number one, first thing we do, we want real community. We must. No, no, no. We got to say it like we mean it. We want real community. We must do what? Open our doors. Number two, we want real community. We must take off our socks. And number three, and this is my favorite one of all, we must fight lions. We're talking about fighting lions. Believe me, the long-term sustainability of any group of friends or any community is centered around this one. You got one and two, you can have short-term community. But you want long-term, you must fight lines together. What does that mean? What that means is, what is it that's uniting us together? There must be a common purpose or a mission or a common mindset amongst us. If only thing that puts us together is that we live in the same neighborhood and we go to the same school or that we, um, our parents are friends with each other when they were kids. We're a country club, if that's what we are. If just because we have the same demographics, we're friends, we're a country club, nothing deeper than that. What makes us authentic community is that we fight lions together. We have a purpose. And I discovered this about me. The people that I feel most connected with are the people who are passionate about the same things that I'm passionate about and are willing to fight for the same things that I'm willing to fight for. For me, church, this church, I'm passionate about what this church is doing. And reaching people, normal people, who didn't realize that you could be normal and still love God, I am passionate about that. And what I discovered is that if you are passionate about that, then me and you having the ability to have community increases significantly. If you don't care about that, we can love each other, we can be friends, we will be on different pages in the long term. Because that's such a big part of what I do. I'm going to show you all a little video clip right now to prove this point. And this video clip we're going to watch here together. The quality on it is kind of poor. It's from YouTube. Okay, but it's a real clip. Okay, and I, it's about, well, I'll show you what it's about. It's a fascinating clip. So what it's about is about some water buffalo one day in the, in the, in the wilderness. And as you see the water buffalo walking through the street, who's lying in the winds, in the wings? Lions. And those water buffalo just kind of walking, 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 walking. And those guys are crouching. And you know they're ready to spring up on that water buffalo. Look what happens. Water buffalo sees the lion. Boom, here they go. They're chasing them. They're chasing them. They're chasing them. They're going to get them. They say, forget about the big guy. Look at the little baby one. Look at the little baby one. They got a little baby one. Now watch what they do now. They put the little baby one in there. And there are three or four of them. And they start pounding on the little guy. And they're going to start dragging this little water buffalo. This poor little baby water buffalo. And they drag him out, and they start gnawing on him. But the problem with these lions is they were strong, and they were quick, but they weren't smart. Because as they're going to town on this little baby water buffalo, they didn't count on the fact that water buffalo travel in community. And here come the reinforcements. And they are coming, and they are not messing around here. Watch what these big boys do. Watch what these big boys do. They come see that and say, you're messing with our little friend? You messing with him? All right, watch what's going to happen to you, big boy. You about to get knocked out, big boy. Go get him. Get a little guy. Go get a little guy. And he's going to start chasing him again right here. Watch him. He's going to go after him. So you mess with the little baby? Go get the little guy. Get away from my little baby friend right here. And they start going after him. Come back. Mess with the rest of them. Look at him. Throw that little guy. Look at him. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. Get him. And that other guy running off. And they start messing with these lions. 
and they start messing them up big time. And the water buffalo, this is what community is all about. Get away from our little friend. Get away. Get out of here. One by one, they run off all the little lines. That's right. Get that little guy out there too. And the good news is that if you watch the entire video, it's about nine minutes long, the little water buffalo lives to fight another day. Why? Because water buffaloes believe in community. Acts 4.33. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Y'all want to know what it means that we fight lions? Look, if them dumb water buffaloes, them big, fat, slow water buffaloes, dumb animals, know what it means to stick together and fight lions, then we, as the church of Christ, will be even better than them. We will stick together, and we will fight lions. And when we see that the lions, representing the devil and the evil in the world, starts to pick off some of our young ones and go after some of the weak people, we will not sit around, we will not watch. Being part of a community means that if the lion takes you down, then he messed with all of us as well. We will go get reinforcements, reinforcements and we will bust that lion up. We will bust him up like we are fat water buffaloes together, busting up little lions who messed with the wrong little water buffalo. That's the way the early church was. The early church was vicious. The early church, they had that community together, and they went after lions. And they said, the lions are over here, and they're getting people to worship idols. Let's go get them. They took that, let's go get them. And they would go in force, never one by one. Always as a community, they took down lions. And they say, over there, they're preaching the wrong thing. Let's go get them. And they would jump, because being a part of a community means that each one of us who has been called by God, each one of us, has been called by God to do something great. Being part of a community means you don't have to do it alone. It means you find like-minded people and you do life together. Y'all play together. Y'all go out to movies together. Y'all do karaoke together. And then when it comes time to fight lions, y'all roll up your sleeves. You knock some lions out. If the fat water buffalo can do it, how about us, the church of Christ? What are we going to do when we see them lions? Being part of a community that I just described, we open our homes, open our doors, take off our socks, we fight lions. Imagine with me. What would your life look like if you had that? What would your life look like if you had that? Like, I'm, I hate what I'm about to say. I hate what I'm about to say. You know a picture of community, a TV picture? I hate what I'm about to say. You know why this show was so popular? Friends. I hate that show. You know why it was so popular? Because that's what community is. You had people on that show. There's a lot of bad stuff in that show, okay? So don't, don't say that Father Anthony's saying we should do like, no. But you had people who opened their homes, took off their socks, <laughs> who took off their socks, okay, and who had a common purpose in their mind. I think the reason why that show was so popular, even though it was so dumb, the reason it was so popular is because it hit a spot inside all of us that yearns for that. To have a place, let me go now to the most popular show when I was a kid. To have a place where everybody knows your name. Cheers, very good. Much better show than that stuff. Okay. 
All of us yearns to have a place, a community of people where everybody knows our name, where we can be honest, where we can be ourselves, and to fulfill our purpose together. This week is an important week for you because this week you're going to, when you come to church next week and when you, if you're on the church email list, you'll see this on the website, we're going to announce the start of the next life group um, season. Start life groups um, in the end of February or start of March. So this coming week, you're going to see a list of groups that are available that will be starting up in the beginning of March. And I want you to pray very hard about that. And I want you to see that if this is something that God is calling you to take that next step in your life with, like maybe this is what's lacking in your life, to be part of a community. And again, I'm not just saying sign your name on the paper and show up and that's it. I'm saying sign your name on the paper, show up, and invest in it. You might be the one to open the floodgates to a community. And a community, like we saw with the water buffaloes, and that is invaluable in life. Jesus said it this way, trying to encourage us not just to have a personal relationship but a shared relationship. It says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. The only thing sweeter than experiencing the goodness and the greatness of God in your room by yourself is experiencing that same goodness and greatness of God in the context of biblical community, where you can live out your life, where your kids can live out their lives, where your kids' kids can live out their lives, and the rest of your future might be different if you, if you find yourself a community of people you can open your doors, take off your socks, and fight lines together. My prayer for each and every single person is that we wouldn't go one more year of our lives. And I'm saying year because I don't think it's something that can be fixed tomorrow. One more year of our lives isolated the way we are. But that by the end of this year, by the end of 2014, my prayer is that your life and my life and all of our lives would be transformed by the power of two or three in the context of community with one another. Let's stand up and say a prayer together, please. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you for calling us here today. And we thank you for inviting us to take a deeper step, to be richer when it comes to our relationships through community. Lord, help us to find what does community mean for us, especially those who, who are struggling and, and can't even comprehend what that would look like. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us all to take the little steps today that we can so that down the road we can find ourselves as part of a real, life-giving, transformational community of, 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 of like-minded people going through life together, being there for one another, supporting one another, fighting lines together, Lord. Whatever it is that, that you called us to do, we can do those things in the context of community. I pray that you'd help this church always to be a place where people find that community, help people through life groups, find that community with one another. And I pray that you'd, you'd start some fires, that you'd set some sparks that would start some fires and build people into community through this coming season of life groups. I pray that you would really go and walk with every single person who's here today and, and that you would guide them to the place that you want them to be relationally as well as spiritually in every step of their life. We, I pray this in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints. Hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Through Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Have a great week, guys. Thank you very much. Can't catch a break. You've had your fill of old cliches. Like life is hard, but God is good.